Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm with Kara Dunn. She is the Ambassador of Connections at Dunn Vineyards. She's also the proprietor of Retro Cellars, a fabulous brand that she started with her husband. And we're going to talk about both of those positions. Kara, it's fantastic to be seen down with you this morning. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks for driving up the mountain. Such a magical place up here. It is. Yeah, it's a little piece of paradise for sure. It is. Let's rewind time for a minute. You basically were involved in the wine industry all of your life. It feels like it. Yeah, my my family moved to Napa Valley in 1972. And I was six years old at the time. So I have some, we were moving from Marin County and my dad was in the coffee and tea business working for MJB and Hills Brothers in San Francisco. So he was a coffee bean buyer for those small companies. What happened was the companies got bought by Nestle out of Switzerland and subsequently Nestle purchased Behringer Winery in 1969. So that's when his boss came to him and said, you want to go into the wine business with me? And so he said, yes, you bet, and moved to the whole family. We actually lived in the little, what was then the little farmhouse that Behringer owned that is now Paradox Winery. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) So your father got into the wine business. He got into the wine business working for Behringer. He was on the executive side. Uh, working for them for about eight years, kind of parallel paths to Randy, my father-in-law actually, wanted to start his own winery, so started Robert Picota Winery in 1978 in Calistoga. So then we moved from the little Paradox farmhouse up to Calistoga, and our first vintage at Picota was 78. So did you go to high school and... I went to Calistoga Elementary, um, and then my parents said, well, you have a choice of either going over the hill to Santa Rosa to go to Ursuline, which was an all-girls school, or Justin Siena in Napa, which was co-ed, and so I chose Justin. (laughs) Yes. I mean, given the choice, wouldn't you want to be with boys? (laughs) Of course. And then just to accelerate things, you did go off to college. You got a BA in international relations from UC Davis. Now explain that. (laughs) Why? Yeah, it's true. I mean, I've, my, um, I guess I've always been interested in the international scene. Like literally my earliest memories of Disneyland was it's a small world. And then my uh, family hosted um, exchange students over the years when I was young. So I had that exposure to a lot of different cultures. Um, I spent my junior year abroad in Spain. And at that point, I was majoring in Spanish. And I was at UC Santa Barbara, decided I wanted to transfer to UC Davis because they had a great international relations program, which is just a really nice um, undergraduate degree that's broad spectrum. So I uh, transferred to Davis, which is funny because my father-in-law, my husband, and myself all graduated from Davis, but none of us majored in enology or viticulture. 
That is bizarre. (laughs) So what did you think you wanted to be? I wanted to be a diplomat. Oh, okay. (laughs) I I wanted to work for the State Department or, you know, get my move to D.C. and go to Georgetown and get my master's. But then that that year, my senior year of undergraduate, I met Mike. And so... And her life was changed forever. (laughs) (laughs) I made the choice to stay here and, yeah, start a family and... Work. I worked for Robert Picota Winery for 15 years. Right. You basically started from the ground up and became GM. I did, yes. Which is a fantastic opportunity and a chance to get to know the business and apply everything that you learned right here at Den Vineyards. Right. And to retro sellers, exactly. for that matter. Exactly. Okay. So let's talk about the two brands that you have now that you're working yes, with. Yes. Yes. So Dunn Vineyards, um, our first vintage here was 1979. Um, Randy, as I mentioned, and my father kind of were following these uh, parallel um, paths yes. into the wine business. And uh, so he started off at Camus when he was getting his PhD in entomology at UC Davis, the study of insects, but found this passionate interest in the wine business, started making trips over here from Davis, uh, met Charlie Wagner Sr. at Camus, who really became his mentor and almost like a father figure to Randy. Um, So Randy worked at Camus Winery from 1975 to 1985, and subsequently was, you know, also working to start up Dunn Vineyards up here. So 79 was the first vintage. Um, We're producing about 4,000 cases per year right now. And you make two cabs. We make Cabernet Sauvignon only. We have the Howell Mountain bottling, which is always 100% estate Mm -hmm. fruit. Um, And we have 45 acres that we can source from for that. And then the other bottling is Napa Valley, which is a blend of our estate fruit Typically from the younger vineyards that don't make the cut into the Howell Mountain bottling. And then in the past seven years, it's been blended with some fruit that we purchased from the Coombsville region of Napa. Let's talk about what you do specifically here and how much fun it is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're a very lean operation, I have to say, um, for our size. Um, My husband is the uh, GM and operating winemaker, and we have an assistant winemaker, um, an office manager, and um, a hospitality um, woman who helps us in the afternoons. I handle the sales, so I'm doing mostly the wholesale sales side of thing. The allocations were actually, because the brand's been around for so long, we're in about 35 states and exporting to about 15 different countries. Wow, that's that's quite a bit considering you don't make a lot of wine. Exactly. It's really kind of the shotgun approach so that we have a presence in all these markets Mm -hmm. and exposure, brand development, and demand. Um, And we've just over the years developed these relationships with the the distributors. And so um, we like to honor those. And I'm just doing that as well as the the hospitality program here. We've uh, ramped up a little bit in recent years, although we are restricted by the Napa County mm-hmm. uh, regulations, and so we can only have 20 people per week. But because Randy and Lori live right next to the winery, we are always closed weekends, just open kind of traditional work days, Monday through Friday. So it's 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 a nice balance. So if anyone wants to come and taste this fabulous wine, they just need to call and make an appointment or make a reservation online 
Yeah, our website actually is the best uh, resource. We have the talk reservation system online, so you can go in and see, um, you know, the days. And I would encourage people to plan out, especially this time of the year, harvest. Everybody loves to come up and see the the harvest in action. So uh, I would plan out, you know, at least four to six weeks, and we, we would be glad to to offer you hospitality. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about retro. Why did you and Mike want to come up with another brand? (laughs) Oh yeah. It kind of, it was an opportunity that presented itself in that Randy and Lori bought a vineyard up here that was called Park Muscatine Vineyard. It was a very historic Hell Mountain vineyard that was mostly Zinfandel, but also had a four acre parcel of Petite Syrah. So when Randy purchased that in the early 90s, he tore out the Zin to plant Cabernet. That's why he bought the property. But he kept that four-acre parcel of Petite Syrah. So over the subsequent years, we were uh, farming it and selling the grapes, making a little bit for friends and family. And my husband came to really appreciate the vineyard and get to know it. And at the time, I was still working full-time for my family's winery, and we had two young kids. So I was kind of looking for an opportunity to retire from Pakota Winery and and be more present as a mother for my kids and work part-time for Retro. So we started Retro in 2003 with that Petite Syrah from the Parc Muscatine property. And then my husband took Budwood from that parcel, planted another acre down here next to the winery. Uh, We've also planted an acre of Syrah up right next to our house at 2,100 feet elevation. And we're buying some Zinfandel from Green and Red Vineyard in Childs Valley. So we're, we're making alternative reds for retro sellers. We don't want to make a Cabernet to compete directly with the family brand. We want to honor that um, skew, as it were. Sure. Um, but yeah, and it's been a learning opportunity, a fun experience for my husband to make something other than Cabernet and for us to to sell it. Right. For sure. So you offer an opportunity for folks to taste retro wines here, right? Yes. Yes. When uh, we do offer hospitality here, we pour both the done and retro wines, typically about three bottles of each, a selection of at least five or six wines. What's your favorite retro wine? <laughs> I know it's like asking who your favorite oh, child gosh. is. Sorry. No, it's okay. I think What's your current favorite? The Syrah that we planted next to our house is less than an acre. It's 0.75 acres. Used to be an old apple orchard and when our kids were young, we would have an apple harvest party. That was our kind of alternative harvest party was apple picking and cider making. I love it. Yeah, it was so much fun with friends and family mm-hmm. and the kids. Um, but the trees were in decline and we decided that, um, hey, Outpost you know, has Grenache right, right next door to us. So maybe we can plant some Grenache. And, but we couldn't find clean budwood that year. And so we decided to go with Syrah. And in retrospect, I'm very happy because... I love Rhone Valley Syrahs and uh, to have that noble varietal up on Hell Mountain. Anything that you plant other than Cabernet up here is such a novelty because the land is so valuable. Um, so it's really a passion project for us. And it's beautiful that the French Laundry has it on oh. the list. And now we're very proud. 
That's fantastic. <laughs> now that we know a little bit more about Dunn and retro sellers, I have to ask, during the course of your career, has there been someone that has inspired you or mentored you along the way that you can speak to? One of the women that early on really was an inspiration to me is Zelma Long. And she was at CME over in Healdsburg. And she was a friend of the family. And we actually spent some time, quite a bit of time together just at social occasions. But to see her professionality and passion for the wine business and her sense of confidence and I believe that was that was probably mostly in the seventies. I forgot to look up, you know, the years that she was at CME, but she was always very uh, inspirational to me. And when I was getting into the business, working at my father's winery, I sat down with her husband Phil Freeze and had an informational interview to talk about viticulture because he was heading the viticulture program at Mandavi at the time. So um, I would say the two of them and our friend uh, Francoise Pechon is so humble and amazingly smart and an incredible winemaker. So I have to give her some kudos as well. Top moment of your career so far? Oh, uh, good question. I would say um, the... Again, the international aspect of the business here and just hosting people from all over the world that are so passionate about wine is awe-inspiring to me because I feel like we're just humble farmers, but to see that intensity of passion out there in the world is just very rewarding. Since you are involved in sales and hospitality, what do you think about those wine ratings? You know, I think, um, and it's interesting as we kind of evolve and adjust to the different generations that are coming along buying wine, I think for maybe the baby boomer generation, it was a little bit uh, easier for them to use the ratings on little shelf talkers in the stores to refer to them or to a sommelier that was recommending a wine. Um, These days, I feel like they're not so important. It's more about the relationship that the consumer has with the winery, and that's why it is so important for us to offer that hospitality here, to have a presence on social media, um, just to be open, have that channel open to develop the relationships. And that's that's really what breeds the loyalty. And I agree with what you're saying. I think that uh, ratings, there was a time when wine sales were driven by that. But I don't think they hold that same prominence. Dunn has been around for quite some time, has a fantastic reputation. Can anyone buy a bottle of Dunn anymore these days? <laughs> is there wine to be had? There is. And I'm I'm really proud to feel like we're a real value in our class um, with the wine. And the reputation is so still so honored. And I feel we, we do, we are allocated um, wholesale. We're selling about 60% wholesale still. 40% DTC, direct-to-consumer. 
So we're trying to develop more of the DTC relationships and profitability obviously lies there. Uh, so we're definitely trying to move in that direction. Yeah. You need to flip that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Forty sixty. Yeah. So, and there is wine to be had, you said. Yes. So when people come here and taste the 20 or so that can come here during the week, they can walk away with some bottles. Oh, definitely. In fact, okay. we, we offer to our mailing list and here in the tasting room mm-hmm. some exclusive bottlings, mm-hmm. some reserve. We have a reserve program now called El Camino which is named after Randy's old El Camino truck oh my that gosh. he had for years and years. And it was a personality that they featured in their newsletter annually. The El Camino has, you know, Randy replaced the you know engine this year or whatever. It, wait, I got to ask, is the El Camino <laughs> still around? It's not. Oh, did they bury it on property? <laughs> no. Or is it um, on display somewhere? <laughs> My husband, kind of secretly behind Randy's back, has been searching for the same year vintage El Camino. So hopefully, one <gasps> and color and everything. So hopefully, one year he'll he'll oh, surprise him. Oh, that but, would be fantastic! Yeah, that yeah. would be a great surprise for Randy. Yeah, but Super yes, fun. we have we have wine. I have a bottle of our nineteen for you to take home and enjoy. Oh, it's oh, our fortieth anniversary bottling. So yeah, hopefully. is that your current vintage nineteen? It is. Okay. Let's talk about that. I do know you do have an interesting approach here and I I love it because it's very simplistic and straightforward. And that is that both of your wines are aged for 32 months. They're both in a hundred percent new French oak. Is that accurate? Yes. Yes. Um, And has it always been this way? Not always. There is a little bit of an adjustment in the new French. I mean, it's always been 100% French oak. Most of the years, 100% as well. It's something that Randy has in his winemaking style from the get-go. He wanted to make a, uh, a wine that could age. And in fact, a lot of Dunn collectors don't even open the bottles for 20, 25 years. Right. They definitely have ageability opportunity (laughs) yeah yeah i mean just the it starts with the mountain fruit Mm -hmm. you know the small berries the increased skin to pulp ratio in the berries um you know the winemaking secrets that we do along the way and then the 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 aging for 32 months in french uh barrels and aging in the bottle for a year before we release it yeah that's a that's a good amount of time and then you can just cellar it you know, you just need to buy a case and every year open a bottle and see how it evolves. Exactly. I mean, right? it's a personal preference thing. We, like my husband and I, prefer the wines 10 to 15 years from mm-hmm. the vintage date uh, because we like tannin. We like acidity and freshness and and uh, fruit. Mm-hmm. But obviously it does have complexity with bottle age. And so... We're looking for that balance, and it is, yeah, a personal preference issue. So the wine is well-balanced upon release. Of course. So you can drink it young, Mm -hmm. but... yeah, for those that have the patience to cellar and wait, it's there's some pleasure to be had for sure. What's your favorite pairing with the Den wine? I 
am not so much of a red meat eater, so I would say there's a a recipe for smoked quail hmm. that is uh, a marinade with soy and ginger and bay leaf, a lot of, and some rosemary, a lot of the things that are kind of, we have this almost like French Garrigue kind of, um, lots of bay up here on Hell Mountain. So I like to kind of tie that in with the wine and this, yeah, the smoked quail is fantastic. Okay. And one last question before we shift on to your personal life. Retro, what's ahead for that brand? Is there any secrets you can tell us? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the one exciting project we have in the cellar right now that we're getting, you know, super excited about bottling is a sparkling rosé made from a grape called Pellersan. So Pellersan is the genetic parent of Petit Syrah. When my husband, I mentioned, he took Budwood from that Mm -hmm. old vineyard. Well, about 20, he just took from the healthy vines and about 20% of that ended up to be this varietal Pellersen, which originated in the Rhone Valley of France as well. So once we identified it in the vineyard, tagged the vines, uh, we've been keeping it separate and making rosé out of it. And so in 2021, for the first time, we're making a sparkling version. That's fantastic. And that's such an unknown grape. It is. So I... I can't wait to taste that. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a beautiful grape. It's got a lot of um, more acidity than Petit mm-hmm. Syrah does. So it makes for a very vibrant, fresh uh, rosé wine. Fantastic. So that's just another reason why people need to come check out Retro. Learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com. Let's go on to your personal life. So tell us how you met Mike <laughs> first. Oh. I know you met, did you meet at school? We didn't. We met, well, I was still a senior in college, but he had just graduated. And funny enough, we were actually on the same route of colleges, but in opposite directions. Right. So he started off at UC Davis and I started off at UC Santa Barbara. I transferred to Davis. He transferred to Santa Barbara. Um, and then we met through a mutual friend. I was just working summer vacations at Sterling Winery with his one of his college roommates. And so he kept telling me stories about Mike and what a fun guy he is. And uh, I kept dropping hints. Oh, I, I'd like to meet that. I'd like to meet Mike Dunn. And so finally we met. And it was just at a very typical, like, small town meeting because it was a high school football game uh, between Calistoga and St. Helena, arch rivals. And uh, we just hit it off and uh, the rest is history. (laughs) I have to ask the next milestone question. How did he propose? (laughs) You know, my recollection is, and maybe Mike will correct me on this, but it was a long car trip where we were just discussing the future. And so it was more of a discussion about where we wanted to go moving forward in our lives. And so it was like a this mutual decision that we just came to. That we can't live our lives without one another, <laughs> right? <laughs> Say yes. <laughs> so you guys live actually on the 
I'm going to call it the Dunn Compound. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Or it, estate, we should is. say. It is. Um, yeah, we're very fortunate that my, my in-laws live here on the property with the winery. And then my sister-in-law lives on the property above here. And then we live on the property above her. And the properties are all contiguous. Mm-hmm. So my husband will actually ride the quad or walk to work with the dog and through the forest and the vineyards to get here. So we're only about a mile away. Okay. If we took a step inside your home, what would we see? What's your decorating style? Ooh, I like that question. Um, Okay, so you know I'm international relations. Yes. So I guess when you walk in the front door, you see a lot of artwork, um, a a piece of Ganesh from India that Mm -hmm. I bought when I was there, a local piece by Kathy Tranmer of the forest. Mm. Um, I, I love to support local artists. My son is a fantastic artist, as is our, our kids are both very artistic, musically and fine arts. And so my son did a picture of Mount St. Helena, a painting, I should say, uh, that is above our mantle. And it's the view from the property where I grew up in Calistoga. So it's the vineyards up to Mount St. Helena and he did an amazing job with that painting. And what was his medium? It was acrylic. Oh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. How lovely. Predominant color in your home? <laughs> red. <laughs> red, wow. Like a deep red. Like we have red oh, leather maroon. sofas. Yeah, okay. yeah. And or burgundy. Yeah, yeah. I love red and gold. Favorite room in your house? Well, I guess it's the kitchen. I really do love cooking. And I loved um, kind of, we remodeled the house when we moved in and I worked with one of the stainless steel, you know, we use a lot of stainless steel in the winery Mm -hmm. just for cleanliness. And uh, so one of the custom stainless steel producers in Healdsburg cut a big swath of stainless steel for me as a backsplash in our kitchen. So I, and then we have cherry cabinets too. So I have a lot of like warm and cold kind of going on. My sister's actually studying feng shui. Oh, so I, you know, have her input too in, in the house and the, the flow, the energetic flow of the house. Do you have some favorite music that you like to play or you enjoy? And if so, who might that be? Oh gosh. Well, I grew up in the eighties and so I do have a fond spot in my heart for eighties rock. In fact, my husband, I mentioned our kids are musical. My husband is musical. Yes. He's in a band and he's the lead singer and they're an eighties rock cover band. So they've performed at the, the, you know, Napa uh, County fair and private events and uh, porch fest. Have you been to porch fest? Fest. Such a fun event. Yeah. Okay. So what does he play that you love? What songs? Yes. Well, uh, he really does a great job with Stevie Wonder. Mm. That's kind of his favorite genre, and and his voice is well-suited to do Stevie tunes. So, okay. Yeah. Love it. You said you love your kitchen. You love to cook. Uh, do you have a go-to dish that's always a crowd pleaser? Well, besides that smoked uh, quail, quail, which um, sounds fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, um, that is a fun summertime treat. Really, at our house, the thing that we love to do is cook around the fire. Mm-hmm. 
we have a fire pit that was made by an artist in uh, that from an old uh, pressure water pressure tank, and we have that outside. We do wood fires. We do raclette. So we have a raclette stone, and we put the cheese on it, oh. and it melts, and then you dip bread and potatoes and on it gherkins yeah it's a swiss uh, tradition i love it so we usually we love it when we can plan a whole meal outdoor on the wood fire Mm kind of like a francis malman you know inspired thing so we'll do um grilled vegetables grilled meats even grilled fruits for dessert and that's a really fun evening that sounds like a perfect a perfect evening for sure to relax and put on a little music and enjoy the outdoors. Do you have any time for a hobby? Do you collect anything (laughs) (laughs) other than art? It sounds like you collect some art. Oh, I love art. Yes. Um, well, on more of a day to day basis, I play tennis. You do. I play tennis at Crane Park, St. Helena, go Crane. Yes. And, um, doubles, singles, doubles mostly these Mm -hmm. days. Um, I've just started to, uh, get into pickleball. I haven't done that yet. It's Do you so love much, it? It's so much fun okay. and it's a quick learning curve. So you can really get proficient at it okay. quickly. Um, and I play mahjong. What is that? That's a Chinese tile game. Oh, so my mother introduced it to me. Oh, probably 12 years ago. And so I play once a week. We have a group of us. You need four people to play it. Mm-hmm. So it's, and it's a good, uh, mind game, just, you know, good for uh memory and strategy so it's super fun so kind of like chess but on a different level yeah yeah with four people social you know so again the tennis and the mahjong are both very um you know have their social aspect Mm -hmm. to them which i really love because sometimes it's pretty quiet up here on the mountain yes i could imagine (laughs) (laughs) so you gotta get you gotta get off the mountain from time to time yeah okay well you taught me something there I'm sure you've done quite a bit of traveling, and plus you studied international relations. So I've got to ask, is there a meaningful or memorable trip you can tell us about? Oh, gosh. Well, yes. Just recently, this past June, we went to Italy. Oh, I love Italy. Oh, my gosh. Well, we were very... The silver lining in the fact that we lost the whole 2020 vintage because of the wildfire smoke taint... We typically bottle wines in June, but this year we didn't have any wine to bottle. So I decided to, you know, just make lemonade out of lemons and plan a trip to Italy. Um, And so we were able to connect with winemakers in Barolo, Barbaresco, Valpolicella, and really have a great relationship and and, uh, impression of those regions. And then we went on this hiking trip up in the Dolomites for uh, a week. And that was just spectacularly beautiful. You hiked for a week? <laughs> Does that mean you slept no. on the ground? No, no, no. Okay. This, <laughs> <laughs> this was high end. Uh, hiking. Yes. <laughs> okay. We stayed at, they have these um, these lodges that are called refugios. Okay. And so a lot of uh, multi-generational families mm-hmm. have run these lodges over the years. So you sleep in beautiful lodges, wonderful food, uh, and then you hike on to the next location and they carry your you know they will your items four wheel yeah. your your mm-hmm. luggage to okay. the next spot so and you planned all this well that part was planned by a woman who i i love is her name is Ulrika, and she 
is of Swedish origin, mm-hmm. but lives in Calistoga. And she has a business called Yoga Journeys all over the world. She does trips to Bali and Iceland and Greece. And anyway, she planned this trip of the hiking portion of the trip. So we were a group of about 20 people doing this together. So it wasn't just the immediate family? No. Yeah, it was my husband and myself. And okay. then... And other yeah. other people or friends, yes. right? Yes. Fantastic. Well, what a wonderful adventure. It was. For it sure. It was gorgeous. Is there anything else that people might be surprised to learn about you? Do you skydive? <laughs> uh, no. Do you rappel down mountains? <laughs> Did you do something wild and crazy as a child? Tell, <laughs> tell me a secret. Oh, gosh. Well, I'll tell you, my father used to call me an anti-snob snob. Meaning that I was, I didn't want to be associated with uh, brands or labels. I'm, I've been kind of like that my whole life. And so I'm, I consider myself very uh, down to earth and I love animals. I love nature. So I'm just, I don't know, I'm, I'm very much kind of just a down to earth person. And that's supposed to surprise me? <laughs> <laughs> You're so lovely. <laughs> Aww, thank you. Um, maybe maybe the brand part is unique. I may, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Well, we're going to wrap things up with five quick questions. You ready, Kara? Okay. Okay. What kind of car do you drive? Uh, Tesla. Okay. Who would be your dream dinner guest, living or dead? Oh, gosh. Okay. I would have to say Picasso. I think that's fantastic. Favorite flower? Favorite flower? Peony. It's so luscious. What's the last piece of candy you ate? (laughs) Oh, does a cough drop count? (laughs) Ooh, I don't think so. I would have to say good and plenty. I like licorice. Okay. And what's one word that best describes you? Well, I would aspire to elegant, but uh, I think people would call me, as my uh, yoga teacher says, I have great equanimity. Okay. Kara, you are fantastic. (laughs) It is so much fun to spend this morning with you. Thank you, Michelle. I really appreciate it. Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.